two years ago for number three. And uh, anyways, I love it. Happy birthday. Uh, you, are you going to sing happy birthday after the service, maybe? I don't know. You should. If there's food. Uh, you know, I will say uh, just a word about our ministry by quoting a, the first lines of a poem by Robert Browning, the great English poet. He and Elizabeth Barrett Browning, both keen evangelicals. Uh, he wrote a poem on aging. Now, you're only five years old. So Robert uh, Browning goes this way, grow old along with me. You know the next line? The best is yet to be. Youth shows but half. You know, uh, God wants us to live all of life as a church, as people, in, in family, whatever it is. And whatever age you are, five years today, the best is yet to be. Because God's in charge. And I can't wait to see what God continues to do through your church here as you seek Him and grow in Him daily. And what a joy it is to be here. Uh, let me pray and we'll launch into our message for the day. Lord, uh, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight this day. O oh Lord, our strength and our Redeemer, open our hearts to hear your Spirit speak and direct our lives this day, I ask in the name of Christ. Amen. I want to speak on Caleb this morning. Caleb is an aging person. Uh, we meet him in a text when he's 40 years of age. I was thinking about that. You know, I wonder if uh, the demographics of your church, I wonder if half of you are under 40 or half, half of the other half is over 40. Or wherever you are, use 40 as a reference point. If you're younger than 40, wait till you get to be 40. If you're older than 40, as we start, look back on what life was like for you at age 40, and we'll see him there. We meet Caleb first in Numbers 12. I just have the chapter markings there, actually Numbers 13. So if you would, take your copy of the scripture, whether it's in written form or electronic form, and uh, follow with me this morning on the life of Caleb. I have five points I want to share with you about this man. We meet him first in chapter 13 of Numbers, verse 6. From the tribe of Judah, Caleb, the son of Jephunneh. Now, just a word about Caleb. Uh, he was, his father-in-law, I think, was Jethro, who was Moses' father-in-law. Uh, Jethro, if you remember, was a Kenite. He was not an Israelite. He married into Moses' family, and Caleb is the son of that, uh, of that relationship. So think in your mind, Caleb, I mean, conversions, people being brought into the kingdom of God, becoming faithful to him. So we meet him there. Uh, we go down to verse uh, 17. When Moses sent them out to, to the land of Canaan as a spy... He was selected as one of the 12 spies, you remember, along with Joshua, that is in verse 16 and verse 8. Then Moses sent them out to spy the land of Canaan. He said to them, Get up and go in the Negev and go up to the hill country. See what the land is like and whether the people who live in it are strong or weak, whether they're few or many. 
Check out the people who's around you and how is the land in which they live. Is it good or bad? How are the cities in which they live? Are they open camps with fortifications or are they walled? Verse 20, how is the land? Is it fat or lean? Are there trees in it or not? Make an effort to go up and get some of the fruit of the land. Now it was time for the first ripe grapes. I want to say my first observation on Caleb is that he lived being open to move for God's mission whenever he called. You know, the tribes selected these 12 people. Uh, why two of them are faithful to God and the other 10 are not, uh, I'll leave to our imagination to wander. It's a good lesson for us. Are we ready to do what God asks us to do? Are we prepared? Do we live every day like that? We don't know when God's call will come to us to step up to do what our mission is. You know, they go into the, Caleb knows they're going to get the promised land. He didn't know he was going to be selected as one of the twelve. But his tribe selects him, and he accepts the challenge to be what God wants him to be. Look at verse 25. Go down to verse 25. When they returned from spying at the land at the end of 40 days, they proceeded to come to Moses and Aaron, to all the congregation, the sons of Israel. They brought back word to them and to all the congregation, showed them the fruit of the land. Thus they told him and said, We went to the land where you sent us, and it certainly does flow with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. Nevertheless, the people who live in the land are strong. The cities are fortified and very large, and moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there. They're giants. Amalek is living in the land of the Negev, and the Hittites and the Jebusites and the Amorites are living in the hill country, and the Canaanites are living by the sea and by the side of the Jordan. Now, let me just pause for a minute. We may lament the, the growth of those who oppose God around us in our own country, in our own world whether it's ISIS or political people or whatever. We lament the enemy. I want to ask you to think about, how do you think about the enemy around you? Are you intimidated by them? I hear a lot of Christians lament what's happening. Oh, woe is us. You know, everything is turning against us today. Well, I don't know, is it? It depends how you see the world around you. Do you see your enemies? Do you see those who oppose God, or do you see God and what He wants to call you to do in this mission today? In our own cultural time where we live, is God awakening in us the call to the task that He has for us? Verse 30, Then Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, We should by all means go up and take possession of it, for we will surely overcome it. Let's go. We're ready. God has called us for such a time as this. Browning's line, the best is yet to be. Every opportunity is before us to live for Christ, live wholeheartedly. But as you know, the other ten didn't see it that way. Verse 31, but the men who had gone up with him said, we are not able to go up against the people, for they are too strong for us. So they gave out to the sons of Israel a bad report of the land 
which they had spied out, saying, The land through which we have gone and spying it out is a land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people whom we saw in it are men of great size. Golly. If you saw those guys, you'd be afraid. There, there also we saw the Nephilim, the sons of Anak, or part of the Nephilim, and we became like grasshoppers in our own sight. So we were in their sight. You know, what do you do when you're around people who oppose God and the things of his kingdom? Does it stir up faith in you? Why didn't the other ten see it the way Caleb and Joshua saw it? You know, it's the challenge of cultivating faith day by day, trusting in God to help you overcome everything that's in your life, helping you overcome everything that's in your church, wherever it is, in your marriage, in your family in your community, whatever it is. Let me tell you, Caleb lived a life prepared for mission. And his call wasn't just by chance. You know, God, and God orchestrates our lives. So God said through the people of his tribe, I want you to pick Caleb because I'm going to use him. But if Caleb wouldn't have been a man of faith, God couldn't have used him like the other ten. Are you like the two or do you tend to be like the ten? The second thing I want to say is that Caleb kept this dream alive for 38 years. I want you to read chapter 14 a little bit. It gets us into the first of that 30, 37 years, actually. Then all the, king, all the congregation lifted up their voices and cried, and the people wept that night. The sons of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The whole congregation said to them, Would that we had died in the land of Egypt, or would that we had died in this wilderness. Uh, you know, I must pause. I can't believe people say those things. You see God work, and you still want to see life without God working. How can that be? They saw all the plagues in Egypt. They saw the, the Red Sea divide. They saw how God provided for them. And yet when it came up to personal enemies and going into the promised land, they backed off. You know, it's one thing to sing praise in a church and to confess your faith. It's another thing when you're face to face with the enemy yourself. In your own life, wherever it is, are you a man or a woman of strong faith at the age of 40? Are you living a life now as a young person so that at the age of 40 you'll be like Caleb? And you'll step up and say, it doesn't matter what the enemy is like. I'm ready to go. Verse 3, why is the Lord bringing us into the land to fall by the sword? Our wives, our little ones will become plunder. Would it not be better for us to return to Egypt? Uh, just a word to young parents. I hear a lot of older people say, golly, I hate the world our grandkids are being born, going, growing up into today. Well, there's something to be said to that. Our world is not the same as it was 40 years ago when we were little people and growing up, or 60 years ago for me when I was little. But having said that, God's in charge, and every day that people live is an opportunity to trust God. I think of the church in Iran or Iraq. You know, would those Christians say, I don't want to have any kids in this world? No, I don't think they would. We want to raise kids who are strong in faith for the power of God in everything in their lives. Yes, they will face a world that's different than the world you and I grew up in. 
But let me tell you, God is just as sufficient for our grandkids and our great-grandkids as He was for you and me or as He is for anybody who has ever lived in the face of the world. Say amen if you believe that. So you, I don't lament it. I pray for my, my grown kids as they raise my grandkids. I praise, pray that they'll be strong in faith and that they'll endure and they'll step up with the opportunities. So Moses and Joshua fell on their faces. Verse 6, they... Uh, they tore their clothes. They spoke to the congregation. Verse 7, the land which we pass through to spy is an exceedingly good land. If the Lord is pleased with us, then he will bring us into this land and give it to us, a land with frozen milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord and do not fear the people of the land, for they will be our prey. I think of David as a lad, a 14, 15-year-old guy perhaps, Facing Goliath, he said, you come to me with a sword and a spear, but I come to you in what? The name of the living God. You're no enemy to me. I'm going to take you out. And just like that, he did. Because God was with him. If God is with us, no man can stand against us. Only do not rebel against the Lord. Do not fear the people of the land, for they will be our prey. Their protection has been removed from them. And God is with us. Do not fear them. You know, if you look at the problem long enough, the problem becomes bigger than the solution. If you look at the world around you in faith, everything changes. What does God want to do in your life? What does God want to do in my life? What does God want to do in your church? Are you optimistic or pessimistic about all that's going on in Washington, D.C., our country, or wherever else you may look? My encouragement is let's be like Caleb, not like verse 10. But all the people said to stone them with stones. The glory of the Lord appeared in the tent of the meeting to all the sons of Israel. Don't you wish the glory of the Lord would appear sometimes? Just straighten everything out. It did that day. And God vindicated himself. But he said, because of the lack of your faith, you're going to wander in the desert for the next 37 years. So my next point is, both Caleb and Joshua kept that dream alive, even though they lived for 40 years, or 37 or 38, as they wandered around in the wilderness. Now, let me ask you a personal question. If you had to endure for 37 years, wandering around with a group of people who were disobedient to God, how strong would your faith stay? They're the only two families that we know of, of the million who left Israel. Two million left Egypt. Half of them died in the wilderness. So they're burying how many thousands of people every day for 37 years? And then the conquest takes seven years. They get in, they cross the Jordan. Uh, Caleb's there. He's keeping all this record. He's growing in his faith. How did he grow during those 37 years? And how was he ready to step into the conquest and fight for seven years before we meet him again in the book of Joshua? You know, I want to suggest one thing that he had that every one of us should have. He had a brother, not a physical brother, but a spiritual brother, and his name was Joshua. I want you to think or imagine in your own head, in your own heart, what their conversations were like for 37 years, and then the seven years they started the conquest, and how they encouraged each other. 
I want to ask, who's your Joshua? Who's your Caleb? Who is there nourishing your faith day in and day out? Yeah, Carl, I just want to be very frank. You and I met in 1995 in Israel. That's 20 plus years ago, 22 years ago. No, I mean, it's just great. And he and I have encouraged each other as fellow pastors down through these past 22 years. He has been a best friend to me as a fellow pastor. Praying, we have met regularly down through all these years and prayed for our churches, prayed for our lives, prayed for our kids. I think of Caleb and Joshua encouraging each other again and again and again and again. Let me tell you, it's hard to survive by, by yourself. And I even think Moses, Joshua, and Caleb. Remember, Joshua is Moses' right-hand man, and Caleb was right there in the mix. We're not said that he was brought into all of those meetings, but I believe he was there because they were two men of outstanding leadership qualities and outstanding faith. You know, there are four questions everybody has to deal with in life. The question of your origin, the question of the meaning of your life, the question of morality, and the question of destiny. Caleb had to deal with that. What's my origin? What's the origin of Israel? Who is on their side? It's God who's on their side. That's where I'm from. I'm his man. He, he encouraged me. He raised me up for such a time as this. And that should be true for every one of us in this room this morning. As parents, as grandparents, as husbands, as wives, as children, whatever it is, church leaders, God has raised us up for such a time as this. So that's why we're here. Our origin, our meaning. What does God want to do in my life? What are my skills? What are my gifts? I want to use them. My life means something. God wants to use me in the life of every person here this morning. People in your family, people around you. Origin, meaning, morality. What is right and wrong? What are the standards? Boy, our world needs standards. They're all in the scripture about all kinds of things. From sexual morality to how you work, what you do with your skills, what you do with your strengths, your gifts. And the fourth one would be our destiny. What's God have ahead of us? Caleb kept that alive. Joshua kept that alive. They come into the conquest, and for seven years they begin to fight. And then we meet Joshua again. Turn with me to Joshua chapter 14. And this is 45 years later. I should ask, how many of you are 85 or nearing that? I ask you how many were 40. Do you remember when you were 40? So uh, I was with Bob this morning. Where are you, Bob? You're 81. You're four years away from being just like Caleb. But we meet him in Joshua chapter 14, verse 6. And the sons of Judah drew near to Joshua and Gilgal and Caleb, who we met, the son of Jephthah, the Kenizzite, that's Jethro's clan who married into Israel through Moses, through his daughter who married Moses. You know the word, the word which the Lord spoke to Moses, the man of God, concerning you and me in Kadesh Barnea. I was 40 years old then. We were how old when we were in Israel, Carl? It was 22 years ago. I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land, and I brought back to him as it was in my heart. What's in your heart to do for God? I mean, ask that. Ask yourself that question. What is his work in your life? 
And are you stirred up with everything you have in your heart to say, that's what I want to do? Ephesians 2.10, I quote a lot. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do those good works at whatever age you are now, which God has ordained beforehand that we should walk in them. What's God's purpose for you? What's His meaning for you now? Nevertheless, verse 8, my brethren who went up with me made the heart of my people melt with fear. Watch this. But I followed the Lord my God fully. You know, God wants to use any person who fulfills the great commandment. Love the Lord with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength, and your neighbor as yourself. So Moses swore on that day, saying, Surely the land in which your foot is trodden will be an inheritance to you and your children forever, because you have followed the Lord my God fully. Now, behold, the Lord has let me live just as he spoke these 45 years from the time the Lord spoke this word to Moses when Israel walked in the wilderness. And now, behold, I am 85 years old today. I am still as strong as I was in the day Moses sent me out. As my strength was then, so my strength is now. Wow, he took good care of his body. <laughs> if he said he was as good at 85 as he was when he was 40, the Lord empower him, bless him. Now give me this hill country, which is about what the Lord spoke on the day you heard of it. Ver verse 13, so Joshua blessed him and gave Hebron to Caleb, the son of Jephthunah, for an inheritance. And it was given him, look at the end of verse 14, because he followed the Lord his God fully. At the age of 85, Caleb is still as impactful and strong in faith about accepting the task that he has older people are being marginalized in our culture. They're being marginalized in our churches. Let me tell you, the scripture honors and values older people who step up and do exactly what it is God has called them to do. It's part of our mission. It's part of the mission of the church, bringing intergenerational people together so that young people can see the value of older people stepping up and modeling what it means to be faithful to God every day you live. At 85 years of age, Caleb is still passionate about, his call, about how his calling impacts his family. I want you to see, go to chapter 15, verse 13. Now he gave to Caleb, the son of Jephthunah, a Kenite, remember, a portion among the sons of Judah. And Caleb drove out from there the three sons of Anak. I mean, these are the giants of the land, names them. And then he went up from there against the inhabitants of Debir, now, the name Debir was formerly another name. And here's what he said. The one who attacks Kilaras Sefer and captures it, I will give him Aksa, my daughter, as a wife. And look at the next verse. Who steps up? Othnel. Now, I want to just make a simple comment. Caleb never stopped thinking and praying about his family, ever. He has a daughter who needs a husband. So he says, you know what? I need help in getting that city. I've already taken three cities out by myself with my men. There's another city, and whether he's getting weak or not, I don't know. But he says, I need a son-in-law, and I'm going to look for a son-in-law who will step in and fight the battle for God. Now, I want to just say a word to dads and granddads. You know, we should never stop fighting for our family. We should never stop fighting for our adult kids. 
If you have a daughter, you should never stop fighting for a young man who will be a warrior for God to take care of your daughter. I've had two daughters, and uh, I want to say, to, I say in general, the two best days of my life, or two of the best days of my life, were when I walked my daughters down the aisle. And then I switched sides and performed their weddings, and they both married young warriors for God. And I pray for those guys because their lives will dictate what their families become. And our lives as parents of our adult kids and grandparents for our grandkids and great-grandparents for our great-grandkids will go a long way towards encouraging people, those people, to be exactly what God wants them to be. So Caleb steps up and he says, I'm going to get a son-in-law for my daughter who is a warrior for God. And that's what he does. And I want you to notice last, his legacy is seen in the life of his children through the next generation. Go to Judges chapter 3. And with this, I need to wind it up a little bit. I want you to go to Judges chapter 3, verse 9. Watch this. When the sons of Israel cried to the Lord, the Lord raised up a deliverer for the sons of Israel to deliver them. Othnel, the son of Canaz, Caleb's younger brother. I take it, this, Othnel was a nephew of Caleb. So Caleb's, oh, we don't know how old he was when he died. The scriptures do not say. We saw him last when he's 85. We assume he's off the scene now. He has died. He has finished his race. But who's stepping up to be the first judge of Israel? The guy who was the warrior for God who married his daughter. So you see Caleb's impact into the next generation and the next generations as well. Israel goes AWOL. But God raises up a judge. The first judge in Judges is Caleb's son-in-law. Now you remember, I, I mean, I think they had lots of conversations during those years. And I'll bet Caleb blessed his son-in-law and his daughter. He gave her the springs, the best springs, you know, that's in here. Uh, we won't look at that. But Caleb, as a father and a grandfather and a great-grandfather, continues to live as a prized example of one whose heart is fully devoted to God. You know, that's my challenge for all of us, personally, whatever our age Will you be that kind of man, that kind of woman at whatever age you are? When you're 40, will you be that kind of person? Will you be that kind of person at 85? And will God bless generations to come because of your heart being fully devoted to God? Are you cultivating that kind of a life? Are you thinking and planning on how your life will bless your adult kids and your grandkids? <clears throat> Are you thinking about how the legacy of your life will impact your family for decades to come? You know, quite frankly, that's what we would all want. You know, when we go to memorial services, you want to hear about a life that was lived well for God that speaks on into the future. That's the kind of life Caleb had. And this is applicable to a church. What will be the impact of Grace Redeemer Community Church decades from now as you take each year, year by year, and build on what God is calling you to be? Uh, 
I had the privilege of being at Dallas Seminary years ago, a few years before Carl. Uh, Dr. Donald Campbell, who was the academic dean when I was there, in the two-volume work that Dallas Seminary has published, one volume in the Old Testament, one volume in the New Testament, Dr. Donald Campbell wrote the commentary on uh, Joshua. And I want to finish this morning by quoting Dr. Campbell, what he says in this about Caleb. Uh, Caleb's testimony was simple. Dr. Campbell says, He had spoken on that memorial day according to his convictions. What are your convictions? He did not minimize the problems, the giants and the fortified cities, but he magnified God. To him, God was greater than the biggest problem. I love it. I've got to send that to Dr. Campbell. He's in his 90s now, living his last years. God is greater than your aging. Not so the other spies. They magnified the problems and therefore minimize God. Which do you do? Do you maximize God or do you maximize your problems? But Caleb would not follow the crowd. He did not once consider sacrificing his own convictions in order to make the majority report unanimous. I love that. Instead, he followed the Lord his God wholeheartedly. You know, isn't that the plea for young people, for college-age kids, for young people starting out their homes, raising their families, getting to middle age, wondering what's happening? You're sending your own kids off again as you chase through life? Doesn't God want us to be like Caleb? Doesn't he want us to be like the disciples who he sent out to disciple the entire earth with the gospel of the Lord Jesus, who is the king? of all kings forever and ever and ever. Amen? Let me pray. Lord, thanks for the example of Caleb in our lives this day. I pray that you will renew in our own hearts today on this fifth anniversary of our church how you lead, how you guide, how you strengthen, how you meet our needs, and may we trust you fully in every way for the challenges that are ours this day, I pray. To the, to, for the glory of Christ, in his name we pray.